uh, I feel I have a word on my heart that God's given me for you tonight. You know, we're, I've been at Imaginations Church for a fair while and we're passionate about quite a few things. Yeah? Um, we're passionate about the gospel getting everywhere. Is that right? Yeah. yeah? We're passionate about missions. Yeah, which is similar. Yeah? Okay. But I was thinking, I think we're, we're passionate about Jesus changing people's lives, aren't we? Yeah. We're passionate about making avenues or, or making... Uh, times that Jesus could impact and touch people's lives. I hope that that would happen in a church service. But also, you know, we, we've just had Women's Encounter, which is an awesome platform for, for Jesus to come and bring change, for people to be different, turning around lives, yeah? Um, we've got Men's Encounter next week, which we heard. I know that men's lives are going to be changed and turned around. Uh, I'm passionate about encounters, because I'm passionate about people encountering Jesus. Not just in, in, encountering some good words or, or just showing them something or, or even just telling them how to do something better. But when Jesus comes into the room and he touches people, things turn around and things change, yeah? I want to go on that line today, but what I, we're going to look at a turned around life in the Bible and there's lots of different stories we could read. Um, but what I want to say is, to us who have had turned around lives, I'm sure that there's a few more than me. Like Jesus has changed my life, ridiculous, yeah. So, what is our role as people who have already had a changed around life with people who are just being turned around by God? What's our job? What's our role? Where do we fit in? What do we do when people in our lives have a turned around life? W- what if? If you could think about the, the person that you think in your life is the furthest away from God, maybe that person that says stuff to you at work, maybe that person that wants to argue with you all the time, maybe that person that's been really harsh with you or hurtful to you, what's our response when Jesus turns their life around? That's tough. Sorry if you've never heard me speak before. I'm a bit of a crier. But that's powerful because that's hard for us when someone's been hateful to you, yeah? Mm. Then we just pray as we start. Lord Jesus, we turn this time over to you. Lord, I know that we've got soft hearts here already. I just ask that you would soften our hearts to hear your voice, not my words tonight. I ask, Lord, that everyone would leave this place different tonight, Lord Jesus. And I ask that your power would be on us all. In your name, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to read a bit of the Bible. Is that okay? Have we got Bible believers here? Yeah, we've got people who like reading the Bible. Yeah, I'm going to do my best to make it as, as good as we can. All right. Acts 9, verse 1 to 9. And if you've read your Bible before, you'll know what passage I'm going to go to. But it says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, which is what Christians were called then, the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, which was about over 200 k's, right? So five or six days journey. So it wasn't just around the corner, but it wasn't too far away. That was ridiculous, yeah? So it was, a, it was close. It was the next biggest city, or it's a big city. Um, where was I up to? Um, 
take them prisoner. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men travelling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. Wow, now that's an encounter with Jesus. That's an encounter with the power of Jesus. There was an actual physical uh, response from him that he couldn't see. And I... I and when I read a few of the, the notes on that, sort of said that he was um, spiritually blind. And so this was symbolic of him being spiritually blind, as I remember to him, that he was spiritually blind there. And, uh, and so there he is, radically, he, he knew all this stuff about Jesus, right? He had a whole lot of information. He even had letters about Jesus. He knew what the disciples were, were doing. He knew where they were hanging out. He knew all about what Jesus had said. He knew all that sort of stuff. He had all this head knowledge of Jesus, but suddenly he sees him for real. He feels him for real. I don't know about you, but whether you can remember that moment. But, you know, I got, I got brought up in church. I was uh, at, at a Baptist church, beautiful church, great church, told me to read the Bible. And, and you know, we would, I got all these uh, verses that I memorised. Why? Because they gave me lollies, if you did. That's, cause what, that's how you get brought up, right? In children's church and uh, we see a Christian endeavour. It was during the service, you know. And if you could memorise the verse from the week before, you got lollies and stuff like that. And so, but what it did, it, it taught us um, the, the, well, to fall in love with the Bible, right? So I had lots of Bible knowledge. I knew lots of stories. I could talk about that sort of stuff. And I made a profession of Jesus. I remember when I was 12. and know that my mum said I did it when I was younger, right? But I remember it at 12, because it was a real deal for me. I was about to go into high school. And I thought, yeah, okay, cool, I'm going to be different in high school. And you know what? I wasn't different in high school. Even though I made that profession, right? Because Jesus wasn't real to me then. I had a whole lot of head knowledge. And I'm not going to say that I was as good as Paul or anything like that. But I just see bits of myself in this conversion. Because I, I remember 15 years old. read my Bible all the time. But I remember falling in love with Jesus. And it was right about here when the stage was different. It was right about there. still remember it. Where the power of Jesus hit me and I felt him for the first time and he changed my life. He changed my life that day when I felt that power, that presence. And you know what? I still feel his presence now. It changes everything else that I had in my head because I feel him. And here's Paul, Saul. He changes his name to Paul, but he's Saul at the moment. It's funny that in the Bible we see that people change their name when there was a significant moment or a significant thing happened. And we know that we know him as the Apostle Paul, and he wrote a lot of the New Testament. At the moment, he's Saul. <clears throat> Has an encounter with Jesus, uh, but even when Jesus, is, Jesus changes lives, he still brings people into our life. I know that if I just had that, that special moment here and I didn't have people put into my life, then I probably would have forgotten about this and I would have walked away and done a different life or whatever and, and 
I, I, I hate to think that. I hate to think that. But people in my life that put into me from that moment are just as significant as the, well, not only significant as Jesus touching me, but they were really significant for me. I want to keep reading because that's where he's at. He's had an encounter with Jesus. Imagine if that's where it ended. It's just a nice story about Jesus touching people and he walks away blind, maybe. Who knows? But it doesn't end there. And if we keep reading, and in verse 10, it says, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias, disciple being a follower of Jesus, yeah? The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying. Well, there you go. I guess that's what you do when you're blind. Sitting in a room. Not eating and drinking for three days. Praying. He's just had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus, why am I like this? You said that I'd get more instructions when I got here. I'm here. I'm looking for instructions, yeah? Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Has anyone else ever had conversations like that with Jesus? What are you talking about, God? I can't go doing that. What? Do you understand what that would mean? Like, am I the only one who has conversations like that? No. Yeah. And, and sometimes God asks us to do crazy stuff, yeah? And sometimes it's what's our response in that. I wouldn't be, I'm, I'm, I'm presuming that this is not the first time Ananias had heard God's voice. Because this is a big deal. Right? This is a big deal that God's asking him to go to, the, to this house to see Saul. He knows who he is and he, he speaks to God like God doesn't know who he is. But obviously he does. And then verse 13 says, But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered in. Uh, placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and he was baptised and after taking some food, he regained his strength. I really love this. I love how Ananias, this would have taken courage. And obviously our theme is fearless, having a courage culture. And sometimes it takes courage to do what God's asking you to do. So maybe he could have heard God wrong and he rocks up there where Paul is or Saul is and he gets stabbed or gets injured or whatever. You know what I mean? Like who knows? It's, this would be the things that are going through. Think about if it's you. These are the things that would be going through your head. What if I didn't hear God properly? It sounded like God. Hey, I'm not going to knock on the door of this guy that's here to kill us all or take us all away, yeah? This is a big deal. This is courage. But he hears God's voice and I think this really shows the turned around life that Ananias has had the turns around life that he has had through Jesus, right? It says he's a, he's a disciple. He's a follower of Jesus. And this is how I know he's got a turned around life because when he gets there, he says, Brother Saul. Brother Saul. I don't know what's happened to Ananias' family or whatever, but he knew that, that Saul had come to take people away, to persecute them. Maybe he had some family members that had been taken away or maybe he, he, he knew about this, yeah? 
So I don't know what his feeling would be, but I don't know whether it would be forgiveness from me. Just being honest, this really speaks to me. Because sometimes people do really harsh things to you. And I hope, yeah, I hope I've never prayed this, but imagine this, we'll pray, God, don't, don't save them. I don't want to be with them. Or if they get saved, turn them to another church. I don't want to be near them. I'm just being honest. But Ananias doesn't take that. He says, Brother Saul, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me to say this to you, to, to do this. And then he, he, he prays for him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love it. Immediately something falls off his eyes. You know, when I talk about this experience that I had here, it wasn't actually, I was already a Christian, right? But it was actually an appeal that who wants to be filled in the Holy Spirit? And if I'm honest, it was a real struggle for me as a Baptist to be filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I had some preconceived ideas there. Yeah, and, but I'm gonna, when I got prayed there, I'm not going to tell you that I spoke in tongues because I didn't. But what I did do, I felt the Holy Spirit. I felt God like I'd never felt before. And I've been to church all my life. There was something different, almost like scales fell off my eyes. Something fell off my life anyway, whether it was scales off my eyes or whatever, but I know that I suddenly became spiritually seeing from a spiritual blindness. And if his blindness was symbolic about his spiritual blindness, then he's, this happening here is a spiritual awakening. Yeah. Sorry, I just need to blow my nose. I just love Ananias' courage and I wish I could, I, I hope that I could be as courageous as him. Uh, he could have said, no, God. He said, no, oh, it's too big a deal. He could have had too much fear and not done it. I don't know what happens. Maybe God asked someone else. Maybe Saul stays there in the house there, blind. But he doesn't. So that's, this is Ananias' response. And I'm going to keep reading if that's okay. It says... Uh, yeah, uh, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Then Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. I wonder how he found it where the disciples were. Probably Ananias took him there. Yeah? Ananias thinks, okay, this is a big deal. Uh, I hate you, but you just got saved. Uh, and I'm going to take you along to see my friends, who we all love Jesus. And uh, so he takes him along. Uh, at once... He began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. So the synagogues, are, there's a temple in Jerusalem. And when there was, they didn't have the temple in these different towns, but they had a synagogue. Yeah, it was the representation of uh, the temple. So at the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God, all those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on, the, on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Wow. So maybe God knew what was going on. Maybe he is the right guy for this. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. Maybe he was a little bit too radical for him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. Man, he hasn't, he hasn't been there very long and he's already got followers. 
I, I wonder whether he starts talking. Well, obviously, he was a pretty passionate guy. Uh, he didn't mind being controversial. But maybe he sort of struck a couple of chords with some right people, yeah? But they sneak him out because he's trying to get killed. So he leaves Damascus. And then it says in verse 26, when he came to Jerusalem, so he's now done the journey back to Jerusalem. Five or six days again. He tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. Wow. He thinks, well, I should go to my people, yeah? So I'm going to go to my people now. But no, they're all afraid of him. Man, it takes courage sometimes to welcome someone in. Yeah. It, it takes courage. And sometimes I'm just trying to, I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you guys. It takes courage. I, I, I'm, I want to start praying the people that hate me would get saved. It's going to be tough for me, but I'm going to, because this is what God's really been speaking to me about this passage. That I need to start praying for those people because God wants to do something amazing. God wants to do something powerful. And I don't want to box him in. I want him to do whatever he feels like and I want him to ask me. It's a big prayer. I want him to ask me to do tough stuff. And that's going to take courage. And that's going to take a culture in me to not be fearful. These disciples are fearful, so he walks away. Okay, but it says, verse 27, but Barnabas took him in and brought him to the apostles. Okay, so he went to the disciples, right? But the apostles were Jesus' disciples. And uh, you can actually read that, what Paul's account was in Galatians 1. I'm not going to read it tonight because I'm going to stay in this passage. But you can read it in Galatians 1. He actually tells you, he even talks to the Galatians there about... um, Jesus touching him on the, on the Damascus road. And then what happens? And he actually says that he goes and meets the apostles, which he says that Barnabas took him to meet the apostles, but he meets Peter. He doesn't get to meet all of them. He meets Peter. I thought that was interesting. And maybe Barnabas thought, oh, okay, who's the, who's the one that's probably the most crazy? Because if you read Peter, Peter's pretty crazy. And he was probably up for the fact that, hey, Paul's gotten saved. Saul's gotten saved. I don't know. But he takes, takes him to him and... Um, he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm guessing he did that before he went and got, got him. He's told them all that and he goes and gets him because he probably heard him saying that on the street. He's probably saying, hang on, this, is, this guy's different. I can see something different in him. He's not the guy that was there before because why? He said it turned around life in Jesus. Yeah, They start to speak a bit different. I really love Barnabas. Barnabas' name is actually Joseph. When I talked about changing names before, the disciples changed his name to Barnabas, which means encourager. Man, I don't know about you, but I want to be a Barnabas. I kind of see a little bit of Barnabas if you read his story. He's that guy that stands up for people all the time. And if he didn't stand up for Paul in this time, I don't know what happens. Maybe he walks away and makes a different little... Church, I'm not sure. Who knows? But I love that Barnabas actually goes and gets him and brings him to the apostles. So that says, verse 28, So Saul Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, which are the Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to kill him. And when the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and they sent him off to Tarsus. Does that sound like a funny ending? Tarsus is where he lived. They sent him home. I just found that interesting. 
that he's there. He's speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Jews that were there, but they tried to kill him as well. Man, he's got lots of people trying to kill him. When the believers learned of this, that they were trying to kill him, they took him down to Caesarea, which is the port, and they sent him off to Tarsus, which is a long way away. If you look in your Bible where the maps are, it's, it's a long, long way away, right? They sent him nowhere near where they were, nowhere near Damascus, nowhere near Jerusalem. He's gone. Wow. Your silence is what I felt too when I found that out. I'm thinking, what? They get so upset at him and they're not too sure how to handle him. They're not too sure how to take him. And, and I hope that I wouldn't do that. Maybe I have. Maybe I've pushed people away at times. I don't know. I just, it made me think about it. Maybe Have I pushed people away because they're a little bit too full on for me? Maybe what he needed was someone to stand in the gap for him. Teach him a little bit. Disciple him a little bit. Because he's still fresh. He's still fresh. And the Lord, and he's still trying to process my turns around life. I hated these people and now I love them. Jesus is telling me things that's crazy. I don't even, this is amazing. Maybe he doesn't know how to handle that. And I really feel that discipleship's on our church too. Isn't he calling out for discipleship here? But he gets sent away and he gets sent home. I hope that I'd never send someone home who's just asking for discipleship. And then to finish that bit off, verse 31, it says, Then the church throughout Judea, and in my Bible it was a paragraph, so it means it's completely different. It's a different step. Throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and were strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and they increased in numbers. Beautiful. I'm realising that my time's almost ended. But what I want to say is, we read in, in chapter 11, two chapters later, and I meant to grab my, I'm just going to walk over and grab my phone. Thanks, babe. In chapter 11, because chapter 10, we start reading about uh, Peter getting told by God to go to Cornelius' house, and you know, you can eat whatever you want. Is that bit? And then, uh, the, and then in Acts 11, verse 19, it says, Some of the believers who were scattered by the persecution which took place when Stephen was killed, where Paul was there holding the jackets, yeah, Peter was killed, um, went on as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message to the Jews only. But other believers who were from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and proclaimed the message to the Gentiles, also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's power was with them. And a great number of people believed and were turned to the Lord. The news about this reached the church in Jerusalem who had obviously sent Paul away. So they sent Barnabas to Antioch. I love this bit. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and he saw how God had blessed the people, he was glad and he urged them all to be faithful and true to the Lord with all their hearts. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. Verse 25, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Ten years later, ten years later, this gap here, wow, Barnabas hadn't forgotten the guy that he took to the apostles who he felt God was going to do something with and he gets sent away. I don't know how he felt about that, but he probably thought, oh, hang on, I was going to disciple him. 
Maybe. I'm not sure. But it disturbed my heart about the people that I've seen come and go. It stirs my heart. I don't want to forget them. I'd love God to give an opportunity for me to go find them. Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul and when he found him, he took him to Antioch and for a whole year, the two met with the people of the church and taught a large group. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians for little Christ. Man, Paul was there when it started. we started being called Christians. Why? Because Barnabas went and found him 10 years later. 10 years later. To say, come on, God gave you a vision. God spoke to you that you're going to be my instrument. You told me that. I've come to find you, mate. Let's go do it. And what I love about the story, if you keep reading, you see that it starts being Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas and Paul going to these different places, starting churches. But only two or three chapters later, it starts being Paul and Barnabas. And as you read to the end of Acts, it's Paul and Barnabas. And I love it because isn't that what discipleship is really about? A handing over of the baton. Saying, come on, mate, I've, done, I've given you everything I could. You're, big, you're, you're, you're in the right place. Let me be behind you, pushing you along. Let me, let me, let me hand it over to you. This is what discipleship's about. Let me pray for us because I really hope and pray that God's speaking to you guys like He's speaking to me. I don't even have all the answers for myself yet. I just know He's taking me on a journey. But I hope that He's done that for you too and I hope your hearts are stirred for one, discipleship again, but for looking for the people that maybe you wouldn't even expect because God wants to do something in our city and God wants to do something with your family and your friends, people that you know, that person at work that hates you, He wants to do something with them. He wants to turn around their life. That family member that said that they didn't want to even know you anymore, I'm telling you, God wants to do something for them. Are you ready? You're probably not yet because I'm not ready yet either, but we're going to pray and believe, yeah? Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're a powerful, amazing, real God. I just ask that tonight, Lord, as you've stirred our hearts and you've stirred mine, we just ask, Lord God, that we would have a fresh touch of you, that you would empower us like never before, that you would take us to the place that you need us to be. Let us be more forgiving than ever before. Let us be gracious, Lord Jesus, and have peace. Let us be bringers of peace into situations in our workplace. Let us be bringers of peace into our family. And Lord God, we just ask that as we touch people, Lord God, we just ask that you would touch them as well. Let us be the right people that you want, the right people to do your will. Lord God, we turn ourselves over to you and say that we're yours. Lord, we love you tonight. We ask all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.